This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 83. We learn about a new member of the ANSYS product family, AGI, from Paul Graziani, one of the founders, plus news and events from around the world of ANSYS. Welcome to our podcast and welcome to the month of March. I'm Eric Miller, one of the owners of PADT and your host for this podcast. We hope everyone has made it through winter weather and is starting to see some signs of spring. Um, I'm actually, if you can hear the birds in the background, recording this from the backyard of my house here in Phoenix. And the weather app says it is 75 degrees out right now. I apologize for any extra outdoor noises, but uh, not for being outside. Now is our time here in, in the desert. Uh, we try to get out as much as we can and, and spend as much time enjoying the cool weather. Uh, in four months, I will be sitting in front of an air conditioner vent, and you will probably hear it over the microphone even more annoyingly than the birds and the occasional uh, power tool in the background. Um, a quick look at the stats for the podcast show that we've had 25,994 downloads. So I'm guessing we'll hit 26,000 before this goes out on Monday. Please do subscribe through your favorite podcast app and also let us others know uh, about the podcast. We'd like uh, to get more listeners out there if we could. Let's talk about our interview uh, today. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a good one. Last year, ANSYS finalized their acquisition of AGI, Analytical Graphics, Inc. This is a big deal and will open up a lot of doors for anyone who, as you will learn, along with me, works on any product that travels through aerospace, air or space, and even across the ground. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty impressive set of tools, and um, I, I, I think it's going to do great stuff. I, I won't say any more. I'll just go to the, to the interview and let, uh, let Paul and Anthony share what they think. I want to welcome everybody to this special uh, version of our podcast today. We have an interview uh, about a very exciting uh, new member of the ANSYS family, AGI, or Analytical Graphics, Inc. And I'm very pleased today to have with me the uh, one of the co-founders of the company, Paul Graziani, and uh, someone, Anthony Dawson, who uh, is a product manager at ANSYS, who has been on the podcast before and is is a part of this integration. Hi, guys. Hi, Eric. Hey. Good to see you guys. And you, you're both in uh, Pittsburgh at, at ANSYS headquarters, is that right? Yeah, we're actually in Exton, Pennsylvania at AGI oh. headquarters right oh, at now. at AGI headquarters. Okay. Other side of Pennsylvania. Other side of Pennsylvania. Well, to those of us who live in, you know, west of the Rockies, it's all kind of just one big megapolis. <laughs> <so. laughs> it's east. And I know it's cold. Um, so I did come inside from my patio to do this recording because I didn't want to have the dogs uh, barking. Uh. Um, <laughs> so we're really excited. Um, if you follow the podcast, you follow ANSYS, you know that the, there was an acquisition of um, AGI Analytical Graphics, um, and it really yet again brings something new and exciting to the ANSYS family, and we want to learn more about it. Um, and I think a great place to start, uh, Paul, is if you can just give us a little bit of history of AGI, you know, how you guys started and, uh, you know, what you, some highlights of your journey. And, um, then we'll talk a little bit more about what AGI does. Sure. So we have a good hour for that, uh, right, Eric? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Just right. a brief history of your life. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. 
so we're uh, we're 32 years old now. Uh, so we we formed uh, the core of the company came out of what's now Lockheed Martin right up the street. So we were a bunch of us were working there building ground systems for large uh, satellite uh, government satellite programs. Mm-hmm. And in the course of doing that, we realized that we could take advantage of tools that if if they existed uh, to help us do analysis of the ground systems we were building, but they didn't exist. So we set out to build them on our own. Uh, We did that for a while inside of GE, but found that that was just not the right environment to do that, Uh, that they are uh, and still they were then and still are a large government contractor. And that's just Mm -hmm. the way they work and doing things like uh, using uh, corporate money to develop tools just just wasn't their thing. So uh, three of us uh, struck out. We were all just software developers, didn't know anything about business and uh, kind of quickly got got thrown into the fire, so to speak. we um, we we quickly uh, fortunately we were able to quickly start generating revenue. We developed our first product and and had uh, some sales of that within six months or so, and kind of bootstrapped the company like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did. Uh, we were looking for external financing. We did get a venture capital uh, a company to invest in us, and in about six years into the business, uh, that went well until it didn't. But uh, we, uh, we we nonetheless grew uh, very substantially with that investment. We ended up buying buying them out about ten years later, about uh, two thousand and five. Um, grew the grew the business up uh, primarily focused on on national security uh, and space programs, um, and have expanded quite a bit since then into into other areas. But that's uh, more or less it. Uh, when okay. yeah, go ahead. No, that's that's great, and 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 this is all taking place in Philadelphia mostly. That's where you guys have been mostly based. Correct, uh, correct. About uh, two hundred and twenty of us total, uh, with majority of those here in this uh, Philadelphia suburb. Fantastic, fantastic. That's that's a great journey, and uh, kudos for uh, having taking the leap with no business background and making it work. Um, I think that's that's fantastic. Uh, Good, yeah, good it, was, it was didn't seem so uh, back then. Uh, there was uh, just so much that uh, that we didn't know we didn't know, <laughs> and, uh, and it, it was painful at times. And uh, we were just very lucky to survive that that period. Well, it sounds. I think I, people I know who use the product. I think it's it's that's uh, from what they've told me. That's why um, it's yeah. it solves a lot of problems and does a lot of things. So, um, let, let's talk about the product a little bit more. And, and before we started recording, I, I explained. You know, I'm a I'm a Ansys user. I'm a mechanical engineer. Um, I I don't think from a system or a mission level as much as I probably should. So so what really is digital mission engineering? Sure. sure. Uh, let, let me start with the term. So we mm-hmm. were, we've struggled for for pretty much most of our three decades to come up with a category for what it is that we do. Mm-hmm. We finally uh, drafting on uh, companies like Ansys is using these this digital engineering term. Mm-hmm. We started to realize that hmm, we do digital mission engineering, mm-hmm. uh, and that was that was really a big miss. If 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 we look backwards at uh, at uh, you know, kind of one of the things that we really didn't do right, mm-hmm. uh, that's it. That we didn't define the category we were in, and then. Instead, we just had this uh, kind of very um, ill-defined uh, presentation to the marketplace, and and as such, we were, ended up just not helping nearly the fraction of the marketplace that we could otherwise. But let me so so I just want I think that mm-hmm. that term digital mission engineering 
is terrific. Um, and um, I'll now I'll back up and, and, and explain how we got there. So, so what our, our products do is model things that move through space and time. Uh, we like to say we came from space uh, mm-hmm. and that we, so we started with satellites and then uh, missiles, which travel through space or uh, things like ICBMs travel through space. And then um, we quickly realized, and, and it always built the, our, our products all generically such that uh, as long as it was an object moving through space and time, we'd be able to model it. Now, a satellite mm-hmm. moves different than a missile, moves differently than an aircraft, moves differently than from a ground vehicle or a ship. And so each of those uh, different um, domains uh, requires a, a different set of tools to kind of help propagate those vehicles through those individual domains. However, uh, the the uh, just like all the coordinate systems, for instance, they're all the same and environmental mm-hmm. things like where's the sun and where's the moon? That's all the same. Where's the wind if it's down on the ground? All those things are, are the same. So we built out uh, we, we built out this capability to model anything that moved through space and time. And then we um, as as those those objects were moving in six degrees of freedom through space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we added in the capabilities that help. Uh, we use the term um, access, help determine access from one to the other. Now, the access might be uh, like visible is, is kind of the easiest thing to think about. Okay. Like electro-optical camera, and you might need to know, well, when does that camera on a satellite or an aircraft or a ship see some other object? But uh, that access also then extends to the RF domain. So it could be an antenna that's receiving a signal or transmitting a signal. It might be an RF, uh, I'm sorry, a radar uh, that sends a signal out and, and bounces back, uh, might be hyperspectral sensor, whatever it is. So, so those were kind of the core functions. And then we built around that all of the things that uh, an engineer or an analyst might need to help understand how all of that relates to each other. So an example of that, you might have a, a, sat- uh, a constellation of satellites and each of those may have transmitters on board. Well, uh, one of the things you need to know is collectively, how does that whole constellation um, uh, deliver a particular uh, communications um, uh, mission uh, over some area, and that area might be the entire globe, or it might be just a nation, or it might be some portion of the of the ocean. And so, uh, so we have tools that allow our analysts and engineers to understand that across across those multiple objects. So, I could go on and on. It's it's thirteen million lines of code. <laughs> I think, Eric, you know, this from my yeah. perspective, you know, from kind of the legacy ANSYS perspective, when we first got to know AGI and we announced, uh, you know, before the acquisition, um, you know, those, those of you who are really paying attention, we announced a partnership with AGI yes. about a year before we did the acquisition, a little more than that, I think. Um, you know, what was really helpful when we started to get to know AGI was the realization for me, exactly like Paul said, that, well, you know, what does this software do? What is it really about from an engineering perspective? And at first, it seems like a very simple realization to go, oh, you're you're tracking objects in space and time. That's really all you're doing. You're tracking things around. And you think, well, that doesn't sound terribly complicated until you put it in the context of the applications that they're using it for and mm-hmm. what you have to what tools you have to present an engineer enable in order for them to be able to actually make use of that. And you realize, wow, it's mind-boggling that you can have, as Paul said, a satellite constellation with ground-based assets, maybe something out at sea, uh, you know. Mm-hmm submarines, you name it, all of these things working and talking together and presenting a logical system for an engineer 
to to make sense of that and actually plan the real world, plan missions with it in a best in class graphics environment to make it look realistic and really get a lot of value of it. And you go, okay, that's AGI. I get it. That's really valuable. Yeah. So, so a little bit of legacy for me is my first engineering job was a summer intern at Lockheed Missiles in Mm. Sunnyvale. Um, And I worked on, I don't know if you were aware of it at the time, uh, SLC sat, it was a submarine laser communication satellite. And I designed the beam diverger for that. So um, if AGI had been around or if I was younger (laughs) and worked on that, I, I, now I can see where it fits, right? Because one of the things that we really had to figure out is could we focus that laser beam on where the submarine was about a hundred feet under the water um, and how, how big was, and how intense was that beam uh, given clouds and things like that. Right. Right. So that was all basically hand calculated. Um, I, I assume that's the sort of stuff I would use AGI. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. And, uh, so the complexity, just, just one example. So Mm -hmm. you can imagine this laser beam, which is very narrow, trying Mm -hmm. to point to this submarine that generally don't like to tell you where they are. Exactly. (laughs) The pointing requirements are, are really, uh, incredibly difficult for that particular satellite system. So now, there's all sorts of other things that come into play. Like, do you know exactly where that satellite is? Do you know exactly what the attitude of that satellite is? Do you know what else on that satellite might be, given a particular geometry, might be blocking that that beam, et cetera? Yeah, perfect. That's so cool. I bring that back uh, in my memory. Uh, so, so that that really, and I think I think the kind of the epiphany for me while you were talking was this: not just you know, model the object as it's moving through space, but how they interact with each other and how sensors, what sensors see and what they, what they do, how you point sensors, what, the, what they could do. So that, that to me is a big epiphany is thinking about that information transfer between uh, objects or, or stationary things out there. So, okay. That's really cool. Um, so, um, I always think of of AGI. So I I, I ran into AGI at uh, the, the the space symposium in in Colorado. I think for the first time um, at your booth there, and got and got kind of familiar with it right right before the Ansys uh, um, uh, started partnering with you guys. But I always think of you guys as satellites. So you mentioned a little bit. What other areas do people use AGI in, and and what's the the most common of those? Sure, sure. Well, space uh, always has been, I suspect for a long time, will be a really important part of what it is that we do. But we do a, a tremendous amount on on aircraft, and those are both manned and unmanned aircraft. So, uh, so okay. take the unmanned aerial vehicles. The Global Hawk system, for instance, uses us for mission planning on that particular system. You look at uh, a bunch of uh, aircraft uh, like um, the RC-135 rivet joints uh, who mm-hmm. need to do mission planning or uh, combat sent aircraft um the, so so there uh that's an aircraft that needs to monitor uh, adversarial or radar systems mm-hmm. and so we'll do things for them like uh like model the the beam of a particular radar and then allow uh the operators of that aircraft to fly down that beam for as long a period of time uh, as okay. possible um so, so aircraft certainly, certainly big ones, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, missiles, uh, pretty okay. much a 
all sorts of intercontinental ballistic missiles from both sides. Uh, most recently, um, hypersonics have been, been a big, okay. uh, big issue. Uh, you probably mm-hmm. read in the press, both the Chinese and the Russians coming out with uh, hypersonic weapons. And so uh, modeling those uh, are, you know, kind of right in our sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so I'd say if you look at it from the users, it's probably uh, space first and mm-hmm. uh, aircraft Mm-hmm. And then probably uh, ships, and then lastly ground vehicles. But uh, okay. you know, it's it's really across that full spectrum. Yeah, I was I was going to ask about ground vehicles because of course we're seeing a lot of growth. Uh, you know, PADT is as well as all of ANSYS with autonomous vehicle uh, development, and so. Uh, right. Does AGI play a role in that sort of thing as well? Yeah, we do. As I mentioned, it's probably the small one of the smallest areas for us mm-hmm. ever, especially in autonomous uh, domains. So mm-hmm. th- these features are, are the same features that get used by our satellite right. aircraft. However, uh, if you look at an autonomous car, obviously sensors and what those sensors can see and how they uh, how they move as the uh, car uh, either kind of goes down a road and it might uh, everything from hit a bump, for instance, and then that, mm-hmm. that sensor might mm-hmm. uh, jiggle in a particular way that might be very difficult for, uh, let's say it was a sonar or something that was trying to reflect sounds off of nearby cars. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's that's right in our, our sweet spot there. Not not a tremendous number of users there, but mm-hmm. the applications are great. Uh, it's, um, it is one of the things uh, that uh, we, we are pretty excited about the teaming up with ANSYS. We, we had our hands full. The, the, the space market is very large. The, the uh, aircraft uh, business is very large. And we were really mostly focused, as I said, on national security and space. Right. So, uh, but the, these other marketplaces like autonomous cars are, are huge. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're very anxious to, to get out and get more involved with that and think we can do that with ANSYS. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's making me, now that I got a little bit better view of what it does, it's making me think of all these different um, things that uh, would be applicable. Um, so, so really a question for both of you from each of your perspectives. Um, what are you most excited about when it comes to integrating with the ANSYS product family? Well, I'll go first. I think yeah. that, uh, you know, what, what excited us from the beginning of the partnership all the way through to, you know, push towards acquisition and now uh, is, for me, it was the realization that AGI customers were using AGI tools, uh, you know, to do broad digital mission engineering, and that oftentimes they had the need for physics understanding, physics analysis, mm-hmm of elements and components of those missions, and we're either allowing that need to go unmet or we're using overly simplistic heuristics models or overly Mm -hmm. simplistic, um, you know, just basic fundamentals models without actually getting into simulation. And we validated that during the diligence, uh, during our due diligence process for the acquisition by talking to many AGI customers, uh, you know, about our partnership. And every single one of them said, we do that type of, you know, we, we do that type of analysis with basic tools. We would love to get more fidelity around that. And it was, you know, very exciting to hear them not only say, yes, you know, we would like to use ANSYS in the future for something like that, but say things like, can you get us a demo? Can you get us some mm-hmm. software to try? <laughs> you know, that, that's that's a good indicator. <laughs> yeah. So, so we see a lot of potential there for just the basic bread and butter use case of ANSYS physics simulation, simulating components of the mission to provide detail, uh, you know, right in there, 
along with things like autonomy and other aspects that that Paul just mentioned, that we see great long-term potential for AGI to help augment ANSYS' solutions in those applications and areas. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree uh, very much, Anthony. And I'll, I'll uh, actually, my answers here, multiple, will kind of follow along. If I if we go, like, Anthony, the way I, I, I think about what Anthony just said, it, this would allow, the merger really allows uh, our customers now have uh, much more direct access, access and understand how ANSYS's tools can drive down to this higher degree of fidelity in deeper areas than we've been able to, 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 to take them. So... For instance, a great example of that would be our communications modeling. So for us, uh, we will model an antenna and we've got a handful of parameters that we can put on that antenna that might might exist on an aircraft or a satellite or anything, a vehicle, a car rather. Um, so what, uh, what HFSS allows us to do is to model in much higher degree of fidelity kind of what that antenna, how it would actually perform uh, in near-term and far-term uh, uh, um, uh, ways that then, uh, then will augment our analysis to give us a more precise answer than we would otherwise. So that's kind of one dimension. Um, another way, again, and this overlaps a lot with what Anthony just said, but if you imagine uh, this, this from a user's perspective, a stack that exists that might go from a, a chip level, a, a chip on a circuit board, circuit board in a in a component, a component in a in a subsystem, and then in a full system, and then that system operates in a system of systems. Mm-hmm. And all now, I think what's really exciting is that engineers and analysts all up and down that stack can understand how the the, the engineering trade-offs that they're making along each of those affects the mission. So if I change a heat sink, for instance, uh, what is that going to do to the mission? If my if my my air my let's say let's say it's a chip on a navigation system in an undemand aerial system, and now that system is out uh, operating in uh, maybe a, 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 a hot area and it's in the sunlight. And now we can see that uh, that 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 navigation system is going to start to overheat. And what's that going to do to the positional accuracy of where that you that unmanned aerial system is? And what's that going to do to that mission that that system's performing as an example? So I think that's that's to me kind of uh, uh, what's what's really exciting about that. And then uh, the other uh, point that Anthony was making there, the opportunity to then branch out outside of national security and space to these other marketplaces is really very exciting from our perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you from experience of, uh, I, I lost count of how many acquisitions I've, I've been through with ANSYS. Um, the first one was, uh, um, that I was really involved with was, um, the ISM CFD folks. Um, they, it goes, it, it goes well, it's not easy to to take new technologies and integrate it with an existing uh, family but um it's always pretty much turned out in a positive way um and so we i really want to on behalf of those of us who sell and support and use the tool uh welcome into the family and we look forward to that you know uh, slow and very deliberate progress progress um of doing that integration because i think the more I listen, the more excited I get about um, how this is going to help all of us who, and we all work on most, mostly we work on stuff that moves through space. So, um, you know, we're, what, we're excited. We're excited from the, from the ANSYS side about exactly as you said, 
the long-term change to what we offer as a company now is super mm-hmm. exciting. And, and an example, we have, um, you know, we have a standard PowerPoint slideware that that we give out to our account managers to go talk to people about. And in there, there's a slide that, that we call our technology stack that takes people through kind of the different physics offerings we have. And then the, you know, kind of the platform offerings and materials and, uh, you know, things like our simulation data management and then maybe our digital twin offerings and all. And it's really exciting that we, we've just recently kind of rebuilt that slide uh, to incorporate AGI. And we have this entirely new layer across yes. everything on the top that's basically, you know, missions. What what about when you deploy these products that you are designing and analyzing with ANSYS and actually put them in the real world and have to figure out how they go and, and actually become operational? We have software now that regardless of pretty much anything you're doing, you can you can simulate deployment in the real world in a much more realistic fashion. And that that's just exciting for ANSYS to go to a new level. Yeah. Yeah. That, that idea of digital testing or virtual testing uh, in a whole new realm. Um, it's, it is, it is exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Um, so, so, um, we get to, I, I want, I want, and I'm really resisting getting into the weeds on some of this stuff, but I just wanted to get kind of an overview of, of the product and, and where things are going. Um, is there, um, anything I didn't ask that you'd like to share with our listeners? Mm. One thing that comes to my mind is, Mm -hmm. is just the, um, you know, the maturity that AGI has in mm-hmm. dealing with the aerospace and defense sector and dealing with aerospace engineering is also very mm-hmm. exciting mm-hmm. for ANSYS. You know, Eric, you're well familiar that ANSYS, if, if you think of a typical college campus and all the different engineering departments there, mm-hmm. you know, ANSYS is very strong with a lot of those departments. But one area that we never really had mm-hmm. a great presence with was aerospace engineers. Right. Um, you know, certainly some elements for, for you know, using um, our design tools for various things that aerospace engineers work on. But holistically, it was a bit of a, a blind spot to us. And that is obviously AGI's core strength. And so right. when I think of the college campus view of the engineering world, it's really exciting to have picked off another building. You know, we got the aerospace building now in our in our quarters. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. It's, it's fantastic. And, you know, we've been doing this uh, uh, campaign around the new meshing capability in HFSS, chip to chip. Um, and uh, I, I think it needs to go further. It needs to go chip to the system, right? The whole, the, the uh, you know, the, the, the solar system, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, we can, we can go that whole spectrum now, uh, even in, I assume people are using it on interplanetary missions as well, right? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. uh, very much so. One of our suites, that's pretty much all of those missions that you see. That 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 area, the interplanetary area, you really start to narrow down the set of tools that are available. And mm-hmm. pretty much all of those uh, use use our products. One of the, the things I'm most proud of, uh, the New Horizons mission that went out mm-hmm. to Pluto, was a, an incredibly complex trajectory there. Mm-hmm. So the spacecraft, uh, the booster lifted off. They went right past the moon, uh, went to Jupiter, used Jupiter as a, as a swing by. Uh, to then uh, then go to to Pluto. Uh, normally on those missions, they plan uh, for uh, inter- intermediary uh, inter- intermediate uh, adjustments to that trajectory. Right. It turns out they didn't need any. It was absolutely mm. dead on right to the beginning, which is which is really hard to do. So. Um, so yeah, that's that's an interesting area. You see, certainly uh, a lot of lunar missions now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then uh, Mars missions, certainly. And we're going to start seeing more and more missions to asteroids. And, and um, you know, again, the, the value of, um, of being able to model accurately how to get there, how to model things like I, I'm now going to arrive at this 
asteroid. It's a strange shaped thing. It's yes. very hard to orbit around, for instance, because mm-hmm. they don't have that much mass. Therefore, they don't have that much gravity. And the, the mass is distributed typically in a weird way. So the orbits are very wonky. And uh, typically there are uh, imaging of uh, those things. And, and they're not just uh, close to spheres like the Earth is. Mm-hmm. And so it's difficult to figure out how to image and, and if you're going to touch down, where you're going to touch down. So all those kind of things are, are right in our sweet spot. Do, do that. Do that virtual the what if stuff um, before you commit. That's that's, yeah, really really cool. Um, well, I I uh, look forward to learning more now. If our listeners want to learn more, Anthony, what's the what's the best way for them to kind of besides just reaching out to your ANSYS? Well, even at this point, reaching out to your ANSYS salesperson may not be the best way to start. What's what's the best way to learn more about the the AGI product family? Well, well, first and foremost, let me say it's always a good idea to reach out to your ANSYS. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want more specific information on AGI, really the best place uh, is often the case is Google AGI and go to their website. Uh, their website is still up and running. Um, you know, it's got it's got some ANSYS branding on there, yep. but uh, for the most part, it's really what it was before. It's a great website. It'll talk you through the, the headline products that AGI offers, um, exactly what they do. You see really good, um, you know, you see really good example, use case, applications, all that. And then when you go deeper, um, if you do reach out to an account manager, we have a great uh, we have like a, a this great treasure chest of application examples that we can walk anybody through that show examples of using AGI and ANSYS technology together. We touched on just a couple of the huge, huge bank of them that we've got. And uh, pretty much, you know, regardless of whatever ANSYS tool you're using your application, we can probably show you something that will excite you and help and help think about how uh, AGI software can be used alongside with ANSYS to, to really open up new doors. You know, Anthony, I'll add to that, uh, Eric, uh, the, uh, our YouTube uh, uh, site. So if you go to AGI YouTube, what you'll find there, I mean, just hundreds of videos that span. It's, it's everything from uh, very quick little how-tos. Uh, there, there's full-up training sessions, uh, webinars in there, um, uh, all sorts of, of great content uh, searchable that, that should get a lot of your listeners to, uh, to the thing that uh, will help them understand what it is that AGI does and what it is that AGI enhances do together. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I've looked at a couple of those, and it's not, you know, simplified cartoons. These are beautiful uh, uh, graphics that you get uh, in the product, and and very realistic looking. So, uh, I, that's a great idea. I do encourage people take a look at those to get a get a feel for the product and what it can do. Um, yeah, I can't wait to learn more and and go down this journey with you guys. Uh, PDT has has uh, talked to some of those uh, experts over at AGI on some some joint accounts that we have, and I know that uh, our salespeople and technical people have been really excited about that conversation that we've been having. So, um, I think it's just going to get better and better. So once again, we're adding to the family and it's, it's good stuff. So I, I really appreciate your time guys. Great. Yep. Thanks Eric. Thank, appreciate thanks it. so much. Eric. All right. Well, stay warm out there and uh, yeah. stay safe. And uh, hopefully next year uh, for the sales kickoff, I'll be able to see both of you guys in person. <laughs> that would be good. All right. Thanks a lot guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. 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 
Welcome back. I want to thank Anthony and Paul for coming on and educating me. As you can see, this is really a whole new area for many of us, but an area that your company may already be involved in. Uh, and it's another step towards this idea of pervasive engineering with the ANSYS suite of tools. So um, re really taking it um, to a new level on that stack of where things go uh, and, and overarching, um, literally, uh, in some cases, uh, where we are now. As Anthony said, uh, their website is really good. Uh, check it out. Uh, you can learn a lot about the tool there. And I, I so did check out some of the videos after we recorded the interview uh, that Paul suggested. And, and those are also really um, informative as well as entertaining. Um, go ahead and just go to YouTube and search for AGI, then space ANSYS. That's how I found them. Uh, they have a channel called AGI and ANSYS Company. So that's the best way to get there. Um, and I also found they have a series, which I really like, uh, called AGI Geeks. And it's kind of their technical support people talking about uh, aspects of the tool. Um, I found those uh, very informative and, and gave a real good look uh, at kind of into the weeds on some of the things. So good stuff. And now it's time to do our commercial. And it's going to be a short one today. When was the last time you sat down and did an assessment of what ANSYS licenses you have? You do it for your stock portfolio, or at least you should. You do it every time you look in the fridge. Why not for what may be the most important tools your company's engineering groups or departments own? Reach out to your ANSYS professional. Hopefully, it's someone here at PADT. But if not, that's okay. And set up a time to look at what you have and, more importantly, what you don't have. Time to add some Sherlock? Maybe you can stop outsourcing CFD and get Fluent in-house. If you listen to the podcast, you know ANSYS is adding new features, modules, and full programs all the time. Take a look at what you need um, and see where ANSYS can help you solve more problems. And next up is the ANSYS stock. So uh, we'll go really quick since uh, you know I was late last week. We we actually put the podcast out about five days late, and so I um, I, I did. Uh, it's been a week since I looked at the stock, so uh, we'll go really quick through this. It's down again uh, for the week. Uh, it's down to three oh nine sixty. That was at three twenty three Eastern on uh, the fifth of March, twenty twenty one. That puts it down about fifteen percent year to date. Uh, where the S&P 500 is pretty much flat at a 2.1% jump today. PTC, just as comparison, is up 4.5%. Altair is flat at, at what was, when I looked at the numbers, 0.1%. So definitely flat year to date. And then Autodesk is more along the same trajectory of ANSYS. It's down 12.5% so far in 2021. There's no uh, corporate news from ANSYS, so we won't report on that. We do have some PADT news. Um, I may have covered this in the past, but I don't think I did, so let me just bring it up right now. The first is that we have a new VP of Sales and Support here at PADT. His name is Jim Sanford. He has a long history with tools for engineers, first as an engineer himself using them, and then working as an application engineer, and then getting into sales and sales management. Uh, you may have run into him in uh, your career. He's been around for a little while and even worked for a few of our competitors in the past. We're excited to have him help us out and take our sales and support capabilities to the next level. Um, we'll try and schedule a time for him to come on the podcast after he's been here for you know six months or so. So he's kind of settled in and um, can can share with you what he thinks about this uh, this world of PADT and this world of, more importantly, for the podcast, the world of ANSYS.
Um, also, you may uh, hear this before the press release goes out. So this is a scoop. But uh, PADT is now a diamond reseller for Stratasys. This is their highest level for their channel and is a testament to the high quality of the sales and support that we offer our 3D printing customers. So hopefully some of you uh, are not just ANSYS users and customers of PADT, but also Stratasys. So we we're really pleased uh, to have been given that honor. Take a look at publications. Um, the ANSYS blog had some really good ones uh, over the last couple of weeks, so uh, I picked my three top. Um, my favorite is called Winning the War on COVID with ANSYS Fluent. And it's some more examples. Some, you know, we talked about this quite a bit through this whole pandemic. Um, this is some new examples of using ANSYS Fluent since this is an airborne disease, you know, understanding how air moves around in a uh, closed area, a room, is really important. Um, so they, they got an example of uh, a soccer stadium, I think it is. It could be football, American football, I can't remember. And also a fitness center. So very useful and, and something you might be able to share with some of your folks who aren't simulation, people you know who aren't simulation users, to say, well, this is what we use simulation for. They also did a, a whole series of articles, um, there are three or four of them, that were like top two, top three um, new features. Um, the ones, uh, I like the one on mechanical, OptiSlang, and HFSS. There's, there's one for each of those. So do check those out. Even if you're not a user of those, it's good to know what's new. We can talk about it here on the podcast as well. But it's good to get the perspective. And then the last one was called Women in, Techno Women in Technology, Cybersecurity Expert on why diversity in the industry is important. And I found it a, an insightful look from the perspective of a female working in tech of why diversity, uh, not just uh, you know men versus women, but also different kinds of diversity can make a real big difference uh, in the industry. And something that we've certainly seen here at PADT. And I thought her insight and, and perspective was really good. Uh, looking at the PADT blog, we have put out two things recently. Uh, the first is part two of Alex's article on alternating stresses. It's called Alternating Stresses and ANSYS Mechanical, part two, von Mises stresses. So he takes a look at how uh, ANSYS calculates von Mises stresses when an alternating stress situation, you know, signs tend to go away when that happens, um, and how, how to do that. Uh, very uh, good deep math there. So check that out. And then Miles did a really fun one. Um, he did a travel trailer analysis in ANSYS Discovery. So he used uh, ANSYS Discovery to very quickly understand why the sides of a friend's admittedly cheap travel trailer got sucked off. I guess they started, they kind of got loose and this kind of came off. Um, and, and what he did is he used, uh, very quickly uh, modeled it in Discovery and was able to, to see that uh, the way the air moved around the truck and then around the trailer, it created uh, negative pressure on the sides of the trailer um, that eventually obviously caused it to come off. Um, and then he did some really quick CAD to put some turbulators on the top and see what that did. And put, yeah, putting turbulators on the top of the trailer actually impacts the flow around the sides of the trailer in a positive way, um, creating a positive pressure. So, so check that out. It's a, it's a, it's a fun and uh, actually useful example of using discovery to very quickly understand something. Um, 
Next up is events. Uh, taking a look at the PADT event calendar, which is at padtinc.com slash events. Uh, we've got quite a bit going on now in March. Uh, the, the next upcoming event is on the 10th of March. It's the State of Mechanical Meshing and ANSYS 2021 R1. It's always one of our most popular. Uh, meshing is always a popular topic, so do check that out. Uh, then on the 11th, the following day, we've got actually three events all focused on uh, automotive simulation and 3D printing. So the first is um, at 10.30, and all these are going to be recorded, So, but if you want to attend live and ask questions, you can. It's called The State of Additive in the Automotive Industry, and it is basically a look at uh, how people are using additive manufacturing in the automotive space. Then at 1, we have kind of the same thing, but it's called Simulating the Future of Automotive Industry. And it's about using simulation in the automotive industry. And a lot is going on there, as we've talked about in the podcast. And then we wrap it all up at 2.30 with a panel discussion with the folks that talked from Stratasys and ANSYS and PADT and some customers at 2.30 to 3.30. These are all Arizona times, uh, mountain time, called uh, – it's called Innovating – Add, no, yeah, it's a panel discussion on these topics, actually. So it's the same name. Uh, do check those out on our website. Um, you can go, like I said, to the slash events and uh, register there. And uh, they're also in uh, going to be in Bright Talk as well. So you can register directly in Bright Talk if you're used to doing that. Then we are doing something with Stratasys that you may be interested in attending if you're listening from Texas. Um, Stratasys basically outfitted a semi-trailer with a bunch of very cool state-of-the-art 3D printers, and they're driving around the country and showing off the stuff in a socially distanced way, you know, one person at a time, masks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, it's a really cool way to get and see all these new printers and the parts that they make. So we're going to be in Houston on the 18th, San Antonio on the 22nd, Austin on the 25th, and finishing up for Texas on the 30th in Dallas. So, um, yeah, it sounds like a concert tour, right? Um, these are the four cities across Texas that they're doing. So, again, go to our events page to check that out. Um, Astratus has got a lot of cool stuff going on. Do see what's new. Uh, I will also bring up that uh, ANSYS Simulation World, as we've talked about on the podcast before, for 2021 is going to be on April 20th and 21st, and you can register for that. Please do go to our website, um, events, and click on the register button there, because we get credit when you do that, <laughs> um, and we get brownie points. So if you're a fan of the podcast, throw some brownie points our way by using our link to register for Simulation World. Uh, we did hear back. A few of uh, ANSYS's employees will be presenting, as well as a couple customers. So we're very excited about being part of it, not just as participants, but also as presenters um, in the 2021 event. So that is it for our events and webinars and such. So I want to thank, and for our podcast as a, as a garbage truck goes by, and have you heard that, uh, thank you. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at www.padtinc.com slash opt-in. Spread the word, subscribe to the podcast, and as always, don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Answers podcast, episode 83. 
As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS, Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.